You know, we always long for the generation that follows us to rise higher. <laughs> so you'll be pleased to know I haven't got a sermon in front of me. But that's a very dangerous thing because I do have a text. <laughs> and it comes from 1 Timothy chapter 2. Paul is writing to someone that he has spent years with, watching him grow, in which he saw faith in Timothy's parents, especially his mom and grandma. And then as that faith grew and transferred into Timothy, there came something for Timothy that was very real. And Paul says that when there was a time when the elders got together and they prayed and they imparted a gift to him. And part of what we want to do tonight is do what Paul and the elders did, is to actually see during this time further equipping, further uh, anointing, further impartation. So this relationship has been going on, but now Paul, uh, Timothy has, um, as it were, been operating. He's able to do this thing. Paul can leave him to look after a church, and, and, and so Timothy has been pastoring the church at Ephesus. The church had had a crisis, and uh, some of the elders had started behaving badly, and Timothy had to sort the place out. I hope that isn't uh, anything that you uh, have to worry about just yet, Josh. Um, but we come to these lines in chapter uh, 2. You then, my son... Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things you heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable people who will also be suitable and qualified to teach others. Join me in suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serves as a, uh, serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. Similarly, anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown except by competing according to the rules. The hardworking farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. Reflect on what I'm saying. The Lord will give you insights. Into all this. Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David. This is my gospel, for which I am suffering even to the point of being chained like a criminal, but God's word is not chained. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the chosen that they too may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. He's introducing something that's a bit of a, a, a new idea to the line of the text, but it's not a new idea to Timothy. He doesn't have to explain it. But what he is going to do is he's going to give Timothy a series of pictures and ways in which, in other words, this is almost like a heading. 
How does somebody in ministry stay strengthened with grace that comes from Jesus? How do we allow ourselves to go the distance and not lose sight of that which is at the very essence of what we're called to do and who we are called to be? You see, it is by grace we are saved, not by our works. No, it is the gift of God. It comes to us through faith, Ephesians chapter 2. Equally, it's by grace that we are sustained. God holds us, keeps us. Paul writes in Philippians 1 verse 6, that he who began a good work in you will be faithful to carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. We've heard about the beginning of your call. We commend you to Jesus so that that which he has begun will be carried on all the way through. It sustains you. But one of the things we don't realize is that grace also empowers you for ministry. The gifts are called the charismata, which if you just had to play with the words a little bit, mean the workings of grace. It's the things that grace does through us. Now what he sees is a cascading of ministry, generation to generation, person to person. And he says, Timothy, you've heard me teach this. Now I want you to pass it on to those who are capable of passing it on to reliable others. And he could have added more generations to this because the gospel is simply one generation away from extinction. It needs to be passed on, cascaded. And if you want grace to be strong, to sustain you, to carry you, and to be imparted through you into the lives around you, in the language of Ephesians 4, make it your task to equip God's people for works of service. As you want to burn out... You want to you find that there's no grace in your ministry? Try and do it all yourself. But if you'll make it about others, and Habakkuk chapter 17 and verse 6 says, no, there isn't a Habakkuk 17 verse, but you can write this down. It is inspired. Maybe not quite as much as the Bible. Right relationships release ministry. Wrong relationships wreck it. And so guard the relationships that are in your life. Guard the relationships that are in your ministry. You want to ruin a life in ministry. You want to see grace leave the room. You want to see law and fear and anger and resentment and entitlement take its place. Stop being strong on grace in relationships. You see, we think that the grace that Jesus gives us is just a way to get to heaven. No, it's a way in which we live towards one another. And so as you're imparting grace, you're giving people the same grace that God has given you. And those right relationships will release anointing. And if you want to proof text, Psalm 133 gives that magnificent picture of when people are together in unity. Well, it's like Aaron on his day of ordination. He gets 
anointed with so much oil that it goes to the hem of his garment. And the edge of his body has as much anointing as the head of his body. And if you think of that and Jesus and his church, the same anointing that rests on Jesus and his church is desired for those who are at the absolute apparent extremities of the body of Jesus. There's no different level of grace and anointing that God wants to give. And so when relationships are right, and when grace is in place in your marriage, in your home, grace is in place in your, in, in your connection to those you're working with, grace is in place. When you're reaching out to those who don't yet know Jesus, you will see an acceleration of anointing and ministry. It says, there the Lord, it's as if the dew of Hermon, which is a whole mountain range, is falling on Mount Zion. With due respect, I mean, Mount Zion doesn't really count as a mountain if you've got one of these nearby. It's so small. So what is he saying? Out of all proportion, the dew of a whole mountain range is falling on Signal Hill. The place is drenched. (laughs) For there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. But before we think it's too easy, he says, join with me in suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. He recognizes that ministry is going to be challenging and demanding, and it's going to cost a lot. And we would be amiss if we did not realize that when Paul and Barnabas were set out, they did not go out on a Sunday afternoon picnic as nice as those sometimes can be in ministry. They faced immense challenges. And he gives three pictures to help frame those challenges. Now, these three pictures, we've got a soldier who avoids getting entangled in civilian affairs, but rather lives to please his commanding officer. We have an athlete who trains and who trains understanding how they are going to win, what the the rules of the game are. And we've got a hardworking farmer now. All three of these images have something in common. Soldier, athlete, farmer. It's called sweat. Just when we think that it's all going to be grace and, you know, wonderful and amazing, we discover inside the same reality is a calling to endure, a calling to work, and it's a calling to give yourself Each of these pictures gives a slightly different nuance. So the first is of a soldier, and it's a soldier who remains focused. And the interesting thing is it's not just focused on the job. This soldier stays focused on pleasing his commanding officer. Now, some of us are old enough to have served with Magnus and Sons, and, and, and wasn't a voluntary thing. And the one thing I can tell you is that we did not live to please our commanding officers. We lived to get away from them. <laughs> this is a different kind of army. <laughs> this is a different kind of experience in which someone who knows that they're going into battle is doing it out of utmost loyalty to their commander-in-chief. Their heart has been won. And yes, the battle can be dangerous. 
but they go not interested in what they can gain in civilian society. And Paul says, think about these things. Draw the, draw the analogies. Just play with the imagery. Don't worry about what you can get out of civilian society, out of affairs that are not serving your commanding officer. Make it your goal to please the one who leads you. And then he says, but understand the rules of the game. Now, interesting, he's talking about rules in the context of grace. But we know that a soldier or an athlete in particular, they're not going to achieve if they do not learn self-discipline. <laughs> the rules of the game may not be the rules of the competition, but it's the rules that's implicit in every athlete's life that if you don't train, you don't win. And so there is training and equipping that's going to need to be there for the rest of your life. I know, you know, we, we used to joke at seminary that uh, in, in the first year, the students knew, every, knew nothing, but they thought they knew everything. And, you know, the secret was just to not say anything. And then gradually you move into that place of dislocation and confusion, and eventually you reach some kind of resolution out of all that input. But understand this, that you going to train. And what Paul is saying to Timothy after decades in ministry now for Timothy, Timothy is not a lighty here anymore. Paul is saying to Timothy, keep training. Keep knowing what it takes and stay with it. And then he says this, the hardworking farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. Now, that's an interesting thing. I mean, hardworking farmer, you're going you're gonna to sow, you can expect to reap. That's a very biblical principle. But he says this, that there's a way to work in the kingdom that will feed you. Make sure that you do ministry in ways that does not deplete you or your family. Do ministry in ways that sustain you. Jesus was able to say, my food is to do the will of my father and to finish his work. And he was satisfied and not depleted by what he did. And so find ways to live and do ministry that give you a share of the Lord's presence, give you a share of the Lord's truth, give you a share of the grace of the gospel, give you a share of the kindness of God, give you a share of your identity as a royal son and Shan as a royal daughter of God. Feed in this sense of your ministry. Don't feed of your ministry in the sense that if you're not doing ministry, you're going hungry. But feed off the heart of what you are giving to others and make sure that you're the first to take grace into your heart and into your soul and into your mind. That you're the first to, to receive truth from the word of God. That you're the first when people are seeking ministry and the anointing of God. That you're the first when impartation is available. Don't think that because you've been ordained today, you're not going to feed off this thing that God has prepared for you. A hardworking farmer should be the first in line to receive. 
We don't need heroes in ministry. We need followers of Jesus, and Jesus has shown us how. And so he says, I want you to just think about this. And then he says, and remember Jesus Christ. And at this Easter, we've been looking in the morning service at raised from the dead. Yes, descended from David. In other words, he's the king that we've been waiting for, and he has come. This is my gospel. And he recognizes his circumstances are constrained, but he says God's word is not chained. Therefore, for the sake of the chosen, I'll do whatever. And God alone knows who the chosen are. So as you go, you treat everyone as if they are those who will say yes to Jesus if they hear this message of the gospel. Why? Because they will obtain salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Paul writes to the Thessalonians, you know that, guys, that reading that Nina was giving, the end of that chapter says, you are my glory and my joy. When you do ministry and you see people staying the course, when you see lives touched by the grace of God, it becomes to you a joy, in fact, an eternal glory.